Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 underway. We made it. Friday edition is here. Glad you're with us. Steve Wilfong will be with us from 24-7 Sports Recruiting in 20 minutes. In hour number two, Jordan Schultz, NFL expert. He's with us. Insider from The Score. Always love when Jordan's able to join us. Plenty to discuss there with headlines including Derek Carr visiting the Jets. And Zach Dean from Outkick.com. He is at Daytona, covering Daytona 500 for Outkick. That will be in hour number three. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Matty Ice looked at me before the show and he said, Chad, who has been doubting us all week that we would not finish this week? And I looked at Matty and I said, those that doubted us, they know who they are. They know who they are. And now they sit in shame as they watch the start of this show, knowing that we are three hours away from the finish line, knowing that we defied the odds, knowing we're going to bring you one hell of a show for the next three hours. We're not going to limp to the finish line. We're not going to Tiger Woods walk this thing down the fairway. We're going to sprint right on through to the end of the week. That is what we promise you today. Chad, do you know how much sports betting made in 2022 on the apps? Just take a wild guess. On, across all platforms, all I sports. mean, it's going to be a number so big, it's out of the realm of comprehension for me. Two billion? No, it's higher. It's going. It, they made more in sports betting than what the Washington Commanders are about to sell for. Seven and a half billion dollars. Wow, is what sports gambling made with the legalization on the sports betting apps across the country and the states that have it legal, and they're only growing. But yet, we are now on day three of the Calvin Ridley watch. Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley, who was suspended for the full season, applied for reinstatement on day number one, which was on Wednesday. And keep in mind, he was suspended for over a a five-day span, betting around $1,200 that we know of over a five-day span, which included betting on games across the league, not on the Atlanta Falcons for the team for which he played at that given time. But the NFL put him on the back burner, suspended him for an indefinite suspension, actually. He has to apply for reinstatement, which he has done. But yet, in the same calendar year, we've seen Deshaun Watson play. We have seen Alvin Kamara, who they allowed to play at the Pro Bowl last year, despite charges, despite video of him and others uh, destroying this guy, uh, beating him up off an elevator. They allowed him to play before he was arrested, even though reports were that they knew that he was going to be arrested after the game last year in Las Vegas. But yet Calvin Ridley is the poster child of betting on the, on the NFL. In the league, you're not allowed to bet on anything, period. If you're a team employee, coach, manager, trainer, player, it doesn't matter. You cannot bet on anything. It starts with football, but it covers everything. The NFL has exclusive contracts now with four of the online apps where you can gamble. And they are making a ton of money off of this. They have a team in Las Vegas. And Calvin Ridley sits there waiting on if he's going to be able to play or not. And look, they're going to reinstate him. 
This should have happened immediately. Even if it happens in a news dump today at 5 o'clock, which the league is known for, Friday at 5 is when they want news out there that they don't want people reporting on. Allowing someone back after betting on the league as a player is qualif qualification for exactly that. It's time to just say, you know what? You've served your time uh, because you've already done that for Deshaun Watson, who settled cases and sat out 12 weeks. This guy's indefinite. It's time for Roger Tegel to actually step up and say, yeah, you're back in the league. When you threw that seven-plus billion-dollar figure out, Hutton, about the sports betting and how much they made in, in revenue, my immediate thought was how much of that is actual profit. I asked that because these sports betting companies spend a ton in advertising. They spend a ton in regulatory fees. There's a lot of money going out. There's a lot coming in, but there's a lot going out. But a big part of that is what I'm getting to is going to the NFL because they are advertising and sponsoring the NFL. So that's a big part of the NFL's revenue also. In the grand scheme of the pie chart of everything, it's not the biggest side of their revenue, but it is substantial. So This is revenue. $7.5 was revenue. Yeah, I'm saying profit is a lot lower than that. So the fact is they're spending a lot. I mean, they may be breaking even well, by the time they spend everything. They, they could made, be spending $7 billion also. The apps made $4.3 billion in 2021. So they're up 72% in yeah, profit. But or, the in money, revenue, excuse me. my point is the money the NFL takes and everyone else does in advertising revenue from these companies because they're spending a lot no to make these things go. They're making a lot. They're spending a lot. Um, years ago, I remember Joe Namath was uh, not, you know, I've read about it. I wasn't alive when this happened. But he got a suspension because, or would threaten us with a suspension because he was a friend or marketing partner with a guy who owned a sports bar in Manhattan that was tied to illegal gambling. Mm -hmm. And they told him to distance himself from his friend who was tied to that. That was the league's stance on gambling for years. If a broadcaster dared to mention a point spread during a game, they would be disciplined by the league. And here you have every single commercial break featuring a different sports book promoting gambling. And now you've got one of your players that did something very small that did not try to influence a game because he was hurt while he was doing it. He wasn't shaving points. He wasn't taking money on the side. He was betting on it. And this is the suspension, and this is what's going on. It is a big-time double standard. I can understand how the league wants to make sure that they are putting out an image of we are above board in terms of foul play with sports betting and all of that, but come on. There's two messages going on here from the league to Calvin Ridley and to everyone else betting on the game. Yeah, and any other suspension, quite frankly. Yeah, look, if Calvin Ridley was proven to have taken money from someone to negatively influence his own team in a game and intentionally drop passes and do something like that, right. ban him for life. I mean, I'm fine with that. He didn't do any of that. This is, this is small potatoes type stuff we're talking about. And he got the book thrown at him. Yep. And now he can, he's been traded since. They allowed the trade to go through. He's on Jacksonville's roster. And uh, it's time for him to just be reinstated and be done with it. And I love the fact that he applied on day one of reinstatement uh, after being suspended last March, whenever they brought this down. Hit us up with your reaction at OutKick360. Uh, Chad, we were watching uh, for Derek Carr and where he may go other than New Orleans, because last week, while he was still a member of the Las Vegas Raiders, he visited with the New Orleans Saints. And reports are tonight he'll have dinner and meet with um, the New York Jets. That makes a lot of sense 
based on their roster, the fact that Woody Johnson has said that they're going to upgrade via veteran quarterback, that's the one piece they're missing, and he's right. They're not going the young route. They're not going the rookie route again. Uh, the two that make the most sense, Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr, and you can get Carr now guaranteed before Rodgers comes out of his hole, his cave, and decides where he wants to go like Groundhog Day. Solitary confinement. Once he removes himself <laughs> from self-solitary confinement, he'll have a decision. This feels like a backup plan to Aaron Rodgers, though, to me. It's a great backup plan. Don't get me wrong. Well, It's a backup plan. I think the Jets would prefer to work out a trade for Aaron Rodgers, and this is doing their due diligence to see if they can possibly have Derek Carr as an option if that doesn't work out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he visits there and he signs right away, and you know Rodgers was never a realistic option with the Jets, but to me it feels like a backup plan. And guess who would get the blame if he doesn't play well? Nathaniel Hackett and Todd Downing, because they're there now in New York. The thought is Hackett's there, again, because of why he was in Denver to begin with, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers goes just, to New York. Feels, that's, that's the place to land. It or feels Vegas. like a backup plan. I, I, I keep, just mentally I'm thinking, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, Derek Carr to the Saints. That, right or wrong, that's just what feels right to me at this point in time, based on roster, based on need, based on availability, and also what those quarterbacks would ultimately want. Feels like that's going to be the route. So it makes sense the Jets would be meeting with Derek Carr. Still feels like a backup plan for the, on the Jets' side. And there should Maybe be, it's option one for Carr, but I think for the Jets, it'd be backup plan one. Did you see where um, the Chiefs cornerback, uh, Jalen Watson, at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade, left in a wheelchair? No. That, he left in a wheelchair because he was so drunk, he drank an entire bottle of Hennessy. And then he tweeted out, it's him being rolled out on a like Derek Dooley style. He's being rolled out in a wheelchair, and there he is. Uh, rolled out in a wheelchair, and then he tweets out that uh, Chiefs Kingdom, y'all responsible for this. That's amazing. We saw a couple of guys at the Waste Management Open getting rolled out in yeah. similar fashion. I mean, Tom Brady. They didn't have wheelchairs there, but they were getting carried out by their Tom buddies. Brady was helped off the, uh, off the boat in Tampa two years ago. After yeah, he tequila. was very wobbly. It was not seasickness either with Tom Brady. No. He, he was not seasick in the canal. He was, uh, he was wobbling out of that thing. Mahomes uh, and Kelsey also got after it in the parade, and Mahomes has been making the rounds as the Super Bowl MVP in the late-night talk shows. Uh, here's Mahomes uh, discussing his, his favorite music. Yeah, no. So we started off, they actually do a nice uh, party for us at the hotel. The Chainsmokers came through. DJ Khaled came through. Um, you can't beat that, man. That's every genre of music you need right there. Every genre. Now, I can, I can relate to this. That, those, those two acts... Those artists were the entire playlist of the Tennessee Titans 2014 season on the flights home. That's what we heard on the flights. DeMarco Murray led the, he was the DJ. Do you think that Patrick Mahomes may need a, a lesson on what the uh, definition of genre is, though, <laughs> when he says that? Because th there's other genres than DJ Khaled and Chainsmokers. The, so all the jokes would be great, too. Though. Probably like, misspoke a little bit when he said. They're saying that's the one thing he, he and his brother have in common is music. Yeah, I mean, if he said, look, guy, you know, we had uh, uh, George Strait and Pearl Jam and played a little Bach also, and then we had Snoop Dogg. And if he rolled through all the genres and said, oh, and every genre was covered, that would make sense. When you say Bach. chain smokers and you say DJ Khaled represents every genre, you lose me. Now, I will say, well, John now having seen DJ Khaled live, <laughs> um, he does play every genre because the man doesn't have his own song. 
He just plays other people's song and, and talks yeah. over it. So I know. In that respect, he probably does play every genre. I need he's less... probably yelled over an Alan Jackson song probably. at some point. So maybe he's right, and it, it, every genre was represented DJ because Khaled of DJ Khaled. is a great producer. I don't need to hear his voice on everything. I say it different every time. DJ Khaled, DJ Khaled. I don't know. It's uh, Who knows? Chainsmokers are also on the Super Bowl tour. How many Super Bowls have we been to in a row where Chainsmokers have played a party? They... Chainsmokers to me. It's at least eight years now. I'll give you another band who's really good at this. Well, two of them. Chainsmokers, The Killers, and Foo Fighters. I feel like get a big corporate gig at every Super Bowl. So they're right on Foo Fighters. Their management and their agent. And who else did you say? The Killers. Wow. They were there in Arizona too. And they've been at three or four other ones. I feel like those bands, their agents, their representatives, very good at tying into corporate events around a Super Bowl. Or other big corporate gigs. And you know they're getting paid huge to oh, play yeah. these events. Yeah. Uh, Tiger Woods, a huge bogey. Chad, you and I were watching the round. He's on the back nine. Uh, about to begin the back nine, I believe, um, at the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. He is uh, even currently on the day. But he saved uh, what was going to be a disastrous hole on six. He was two under on the six green, par three. And he hits it close to the hole, not close enough because it rolls back to the fringe. He has a 71-foot putt at that point. The problem is there's a massive bunker that sits between him and the hole. And you said what? I said he's going to hit that thing in the bunker. Well, actually, the first thing I said was I would would putt this into the bunker. There's no way seeing that bunker just off to the right – my eyes would, mine would be locked in on it. I would smoke that bad boy <laughs> in right into that bunker. And we, sure enough, would, yeah. Tiger Woods, he tried to play the slope. And the shot that he hit, the putt that he hit, if you had just enough speed to go up the left side of the slope going into the bunker, it would have been a perfect shot mm-hmm. if it got up over the crest and went towards the cup. Instead, not enough steam behind it, and it rolled right into that bunker. To then which I, I said... He may just medically withdraw yeah, instead may, of hitting this, this shot out of the bunker. A, this uh, shot of him is similar to what he had the grimace on his face with the tired look like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, he got down to the bunker and had a nice save where he saved par on a putt, but it could have been disastrous. He's even right now. He's on 17, through 17, so he's on hole nine because he started on the back nine earlier this morning. I would not have blamed Tiger if he said, guys, I'm going to finish under par. I'm done now. I'm, take a drop. I'm, I'm not going into that deep bunker right now with this surgically repaired leg. You guys, you boys have fun the rest of the tournament, and I'm out, and I did not embarrass myself, and see you later. Instead, he had that grimace. He walked right into that sand trap, and he hit a beautiful shot out of it immediately and hopped right back out of that thing and then saved bogey. That was a bogey save on that hole. No doubt. Uh, did you see yesterday where he outdrove Justin Thomas on the ninth hole and I did. quickly handed him a tampon? Yes. That's I well did. done. Yeah. And Christine Brennan is very upset uh, about this joke. Of course she is. From USA Today saying that this, this gesture by Tiger Woods may prevent women from playing golf in the well, future. Well, not only that, it was like, how did, how did Tiger obtain this tampon? You know? Yeah. They just carry him around? Apparently, Tiger does. Here's, here's, yeah, like, if you can't get the joke, then... Here's the response to it. First off, I, I don't think it's overly funny, but I don't oh, that, care. The fact that they're hiding it and you're handing it to him, it's like walking across graduation and seniors, my senior class, was handed a condom to the president. or Not yeah. the president, the principal, excuse me. Probably the president, too. 
handed a condom to the uh, principal of the school, and then he would have a quick quit back to you. This is no different. No. How did look, we obtain the condoms, Christine? Who cares? Uh, I'm not. It's not offensive at all. Is the point? <laughs> like, I don't see it. I'm like laugh out loud funny. It's funny because they're two really good friends, and Justin Thomas laughed yeah. laughed his ass off when he had it handed to him when it happened in the moment. But, I'm sure she also advocates for tampons in men's restrooms now too, which is happening. Well, she, Vanderbilt's campus apparently has. Them. She she wrote about that. She, I think she said in the I read the column and she said something about are these available to all male tour professionals in the locker room? Are these you know how I mean it asked a lot of questions in her tweet <laughs> about it. Um, it's so so stupid. I mean you can come up with anything to offend you. This is a dumb juvenile joke between two buddies. It is not a cause for concern about women playing the sport of golf moving forward because of how offended they are and how it's not a place where they're welcome. I mean, give me a break. And to bring up the fact that Tiger Woods is a girl dad, how dare he, as the, as the father of a girl. And I'm thinking, you know, two things can be true. Guys can be guys and make stupid jokes around each other and say dumb things in locker room talk to guys. And a man can love his daughter unconditionally. Tiger, Both of those things could happen. I'm willing to bet Tiger Woods is that way. Who is 47. Maybe wrong, but I'm willing to bet he's that years way. 47 years old. Justin Thomas, 29. And he outdrove him on nine. I mean, he, it, it, was, it was apt. Like, the joke was apt, right? He was waiting on that. I mean, he brought that with him clearly. He's like, if I outdrive him on one of these holes, this is what I'm going to do to Justin to make him laugh and throw him off his game a little bit. Chad? That part of it's funny. It's the effort that's funny. The fact that he had that ready to go. That, to me, is funny. We hope the, uh, the story you saw, you brought up right before the show, is a, is a joke, but it doesn't appear as so with the NBA. I don't know how the NBA recovers from this, this story. I, I, not, well, they're never going to recover from me if this is true. And our producer, Davey, brought up a good point. The fact that if, even if this is parody, what I'm about to tell you about, the fact that it's so believable with the NBA is a huge mark against the NBA. And here is the tweet that I'm talking about. This is from NBA Central. The NBA is looking to avoid a last pick situation in the NBA All-Star Draft this year per TNT. NBA All-Star captains will now pick reserve players first, then will pick the starters right after. We are talking about National Basketball Association All-Stars. And we are worried about offending them because they may be the last pick Again, wait for it, of the NBA All-Star Game in the draft. Like, this is going to set back the NBA All-Star's career, and they mentally won't recover like they are a six-year-old playing dodgeball at their local public elementary school. Give me a break. This is the softest thing that I've ever seen. I cannot believe we're discussing this. And that's a real story. That's a real story. It reads like an article from The Onion... It does. And then you see that, oh, no, they're actually being serious. The more and more stories we have around sports today that read like an Onion article. Another one is Christine Brennan's piece about Tiger Woods and the joke. Reads like an article that's a parody from The Onion. This one is the same way. Hutton Soft. Well, and athletes nowadays can't laugh at themselves for the most part, right? Like the ESPYs, cracking jokes, straight, well, straight stare. Part of the fun is in that, like, a group that's never been picked last, you know, in their in any pickup game, the guy that gets picked last, you can have some fun with that. 
And instead oh, yeah. of laughing at themselves, they have to complain about it or and whine about it. And it, look, it appears I, I because that's the only I'm reason why even, they would do this. But I'm not even asking for them to, to laugh about it. If you want to use that as motivation against opponents, fine. No, but that's the only reason. Like, uh, And they're doing it right before the game, right? Yeah. Which tells me that if you're picked last, these guys are complaining about not showing up. Well, here's my point. You know, if Juwan Howard, when he played in the Jordan era, if he was the last pick of the Eastern Conference when he was with the Washington Bullets, and he was the last pick, if they had the same situation, Juwan Howard would dunk on someone who did that on the other team and remind them that I was the last pick in the NBA All-Star Draft. Good-natured, you know, fun. They're not going to be ashamed or feel like, oh, I mean – that is so, so it's bad. awful. So bad. It's awful. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. You can join Chad in the chat on YouTube as well. Uh, Jordan Schultz, Zach Dean from Outkick will join us later in the show coming up. Steve Wilfong will join us from 24-7 Sports. He's the director of recruiting. Plenty to discuss. Conference expansion and the impact that it has had on college recruiting. That's next on Outkick360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Jordan Schultz. The score's NFL insider. He'll be with us coming up in about an hour. Looking forward to that. Outkick 360 rolls on. Sixth and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Pleased to be joined by Steve Wilfong, 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting. Steve, glad you're with us, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, man. It'd be going even a little better if we were enjoying this conversation over a little moonshine right now. There fellas. you go. There you go. We got plenty of it here. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, I have to do that soon. Hey, we uh, we were having a discussion about conference expansion yesterday. We had a big chat about scheduling with Texas and Oklahoma, and it, it ties into to your visit right now in, in terms of recruiting. How much of a difference has the conference expansion over the last couple of years made in recruiting overall? Well, I think for Texas and Oklahoma, those are programs that we've seen in the top ten of our recruiting rankings. Historically, so you have to kind of look a little deeper to see the difference, uh, particularly with Texas. I mean, that's a program, like I said, we've seen Texas have top 10 recruiting classes under previous regimes. But if you do a deep dive on it, it's a lot of skill players, a lot of guys that are away from the line of scrimmage. And the way that Texas has recruited 
under Coach Sarkeesian and this new staff, two top five recruiting classes in a row. I love the way that they've recruited along the offensive line and in the defensive front. And, and really this last cycle, how they complemented the front, a great front seven class two cycles ago with a strong back seven class this cycle. So I think that Texas is getting the personnel in there to compete in the SEC. Now it's about changing the entire culture of a program that hasn't had a whole lot of high draft picks at pivotal positions along the line of scrimmage. But uh, so far, so good with Texas and the way that they've recruited under Sarkeesian and company. I think they were four wins better than they were two years ago. And this is a program that obviously has high expectations. So eight wins still isn't anything to ride home about, but they're improving. They're recruiting at a high level. I think you're looking at a double digit win football team this coming season and then time, time to take off in two years with Oklahoma. That's a program that went to the college football playoff annually under Lincoln Riley. Uh, uh, but again, they did it uh, with an offense that was super exciting, but maybe lacked the, the the physicality and toughness you would need to to consistently have a chance to win a playoff game. Oklahoma, they had the nation's 129th ranked defense or something this year. Hell, I don't know if Brent Venables had a defense that ranked 29th in the country at Clemson. So certainly uh, not what he was used to running out there, but they had a recruiting class that finished fourth nationally. And I think if you look at all three levels, the way that they recruited defensively, those are guys that have high upside, a lot of guys that have a chance to ultimately hear their names called early in the NFL draft down the road. And it's a great foundation for Oklahoma to kind of rise up again, particularly on a side of the ball where even when they've been good, they've really struggled. Steve, I want to get to USC and UCLA in a moment, but let's stick with Texas because they're top of mind right now. How much of it is moving to the SEC versus Arch Manning chose Texas? Well, I think that Steve Sarkeesian knows what a roster is supposed to look like when you're going to the SEC. And, and, and so they've, they've emphasized size on the offensive front. They signed maybe the best offensive line class in the country. Not maybe. They signed the best offensive line class in the country two years ago. A lot of those guys made an early impact. That was a six-player class. They got five more guys coming in that average weights like 315 pounds and then again, I already raved about what they've done defensively, but certainly they're recruiting the skill players at a high level. Uh, uh, nobody's recruited quarterback better if you include the portal and the trail than, than Texas. Maybe some programs can match it. Um, the Arch Manning effect, I don't, I, I think maybe that was a little exaggerated um, as far as like peers joining him. Yeah. Uh, I think that Texas's staff just did a good job and stuff like people will say Cedric Baxter. Uh, went to Texas because of Arch Manning, the number one running back in the country. That's actually not true. He was a silent commit to Texas before Arch Manning committed. He just went public after. Now, uh, uh, Texas is recruiting at the level that they should be recruiting at. Now it's about changing that culture again because them and USC, I've kind of viewed them the same way. We've seen them have terrific quarterback play, receivers go high in the draft, uh, some Ferrari-type players, but they've lacked the SUV uh, 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 tractor mentality around the line of scrimmage. And both those programs are going to have to become tougher and more physical if they ultimately want to be competitive outside of, well, Texas is moving to the SEC, so they have no choice. But USC, you can sneak out 10 wins and then get exposed later in the year by, by teams that are more physical. So that's kind of you know what Lincoln Riley does with offensive line recruiting and, and defensive line recruiting is ultimately going to tell you know, the, to that program's trajectory. 
Steve, let's talk about USC and UCLA to the Big Ten and the recruiting impact on both those programs. Um, what has the impact been? And am I wrong in thinking that the impact would be bigger if one or the other left for the Big Ten? Example, if USC stayed in the Pac-12 and UCLA was going to the Big Ten, I feel like it would be a bigger get for UCLA in terms of how they recruit and the players they could get. But with both going, does it sort of wash out the effect on both programs in terms of recruits? Well, I think that it's exciting for both programs to go to a conference that's more competitive. I don't know if, uh, I mean, USC, they have just more cachet on the trail. Their, their logo resonates more outside the region than UCLA's does. That's just a fact. I also think that they work a lot harder at high school recruiting than UCLA does. I think that it's pretty obvious that UCLA will take smaller classes uh, on the high school realm and, and, and then go portal hunting to try and fill in gaps or overcome their, their struggles on the trail. In my opinion, I think they went a whole month where they didn't even bring in a visitor where the rest of the country brought in visitors. So it doesn't seem like it's that, that much of a point of emphasis out in Westwood where certainly Lincoln Riley, he's knee deep talking to all USC's top targets uh, so, uh, but I, I think, you know, the big 10, it's the number two conference, as far as NFL draft picks go, uh, it's, it's the, as far as fan appreciation, it's right up there with the sec, as far as the size of stadiums and, and, and the amount of pageantry and excitement around the program. So big move for both of them. I just am interested to see how you at UCLA's recipe will fare in that league where we know USC, they're trying to recruit grassroots from the prep level and then hit the portal to fix, you know, to, to shore up some position rooms where I think the portal is just more of an emphasis for UCLA. And I just don't really like buy that philosophy for more than uh, maybe you catch fire in a bottle and can sneak out 10 or 11 once, but mainly you're, you're just going to be fighting for seven, eight wins. If that's your, if that's your strategy. Let's go to the opposite, opposite end of the country with Miami and Mario Cristobal. And you know this covering recruiting. There are certain coaches who can recruit anywhere. And there's also those coaches that it lines up perfectly based on a spot where they end up and what they know. I think about Ed Orgeron at LSU as an example, given his track record. How does that line up with Mario Cristobal now at Miami? Well, Ed Orgeron and Mario Cristobal are guys that I think you could stick at just about any program, and their recruiting would, uh, the, the recruiting trajectory would go up for what they're capable of because there's not a head coach recruiter in the country that goes harder than, than Mario Cristobal. He is constantly uh, building relationships with top targets, staying in touch with uh, those camps. He's also very involved in the evaluation process of players that they're extending scholarships to. He's in the middle of everything from a recruiting standpoint, had a couple top 10 recruiting classes at Oregon, then comes to Miami and quickly has a top 10 recruiting class highlighted by the best offensive line hall in the country in 2023. Texas had it in 2022. Miami had it in 2023. And they're another program 
that's trying to change what has been a pretty soft football team uh, that maybe had some guys that can run and make plays to, hey, we need to be tough and physical around the point of attack. And then you add the fact that Mario played at Miami and it's a special place to him. And he knows all the intricacies of the place and the history of the place and, and, and has a line to all the great players that played at Miami because of his experience as a player and, and then as an assistant coach and, and being around the area. It, it, it's magic when it comes to the recruiting trail. Now it's, you know, taking this outstanding recruiting class that they just had. And, and, and that's a nice foundation for your program that you're trying to turn around that went five and seven in the first year. And it was a tough first year because when you look at some other teams in that conference that are also rebuilding like Duke, Duke won nine or 10 games over the last three seasons, their new staff wins nine in year one. So uh, it's a major rebuild job at Miami with Coach Cristobal and company, but I love the way that they recruited in this last cycle. Now it's about finding their franchise quarterback in this 2024 class, in my opinion. They're, what they do at quarterback in this cycle is really going to set the tone for how successful they can be moving forward, in my opinion, unless they're able to go into the portal and get someone that we just don't know about that's going to be in there right now, fellas. We're discussing the lifeblood of college programs recruiting. The director of recruiting for 24-7 Sports is Steve Wilpong. Uh, but, and you mentioned quarterbacks. Who are the top quarterbacks upcoming in the 2024 class, Steve? Who should we keep an eye on? Yeah, so it starts with Dylan Rayola, right? He's the number one player in the country. Uh, uh, he's out of he's up up there in Phoenix, Arizona, and now at Pinnacle High School. Former Ohio State commit that reopened the process here at the end of the year. You have Georgia in the thick of it. His dad's number is retired at Nebraska. He was the Remington Trophy winner. Played twelve years in the NFL. Dom Rayola. His uh, brother's the offensive line coach at Nebraska, Donovan. So Matt Rule and company uh, uh, doing everything they can to land Dylan Rayola. Matt Rule went to see him in, in, in January. The first week, coaches were on the road. And then the second week, all nine assistant coaches went to his high school. Lincoln Riley's personally recruiting him to USC. Uh, and then Oregon is another major contender for Dylan, Dylan Rayola. After that, you have Jaden Davis. He's another 24-7 sports composite, five-star recruit. He's the Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of North Carolina. Michigan is the 24-7 sports crystal ball favorite for Jaden Davis. He's been to Ann Arbor four or five times since the summer. He's looking for a place where they either have a great track record and or it's a coach that has a tremendous experience at the quarterback position, which Jim Harbaugh does, which Josh Heupel does, another one of his favorite schools. But Ohio State and Michigan are the programs that I think are in best position for Jaden Davis right now. Ryan Day, if you start for the Buckeyes, you're a first rounder. Uh, I think that kind of stands out to him as well. Julian Sands, a quarterback committed to Alabama. Uh, Ohio State is offered. Miami's trying to get in the mix there, but he's he's saying all the right things about his pledge to Alabama. Notre Dame, they have this kid, C.J. Carr, committed. He's Lloyd Carr's grandson, uh, but he wanted to go farther away from school than just playing 15 minutes away in Ann Arbor, so he committed to Notre Dame. One of the things that excites me most about what Marcus Freeman and that staff are doing in South Bend is Notre Dame, they made it to two college football playoffs. They they were regular to the New Year's Six over the last five years of the Brian Kelly era. Had a nice ending to the Marcus Freeman first season after kind of a slow start there. 
the way they've recruited quarterbacks under Marcus Freeman is way better than anything that they were doing under Brian Kelly. Uh, when you look at them flipping Kenny Minchie from Pitt here late in the 23 cycle, a guy that shined at the Elite 11 finals, and then CJ Carr, one of the most coveted guys at the position in 2024, and then getting Sam Hartman out of the portal. All of a sudden, Notre Dame may have some difference makers at quarterback instead of some game managers. Um, but uh, DJ Lagway committed to Florida over USC. Walker White committed to Auburn over Clemson. And Florida State, I think that their program is as, is as exciting as any right now with what they have returning. They have Jordan Travis coming back under center, obviously. But it's going to be wide open at quarterback after he leaves. And they have this kid committed, Luke Cromenhoek, who's one of my favorites in the class, six foot four, 185 pounds out of Savannah. Mike Norvell and company had him in camp two years ago and offered him a scholarship before he was a varsity starter. Now he has a bunch of offers, but committed to the Seminoles early. Seminoles have a top five recruiting class right now. They're coming off 10 wins. Uh, I know that they're highly ranked coming into the season. So they're exciting. Couple uncommitted guys before we pivot. Uh, Jake Merklinger, he's also from Savannah, Georgia. Uh, Tennessee's in the middle of that one. Georgia just offered him. Uh, Michigan State's a, a contender. Um, uh, Florida, uh, are some, some of the schools that are in the mix for him. But Air Nolan, if we bring this back to Miami, he's from Fairburn, Georgia, threw for over 4,000 yards and 55 touchdowns as a junior, had another six rushing scores. He's a lefty. Uh, that's uh, visiting Miami the first weekend. He is a pivotal recruit for the Hurricanes, in my opinion. He's also been high on Auburn, Texas A&M, but those programs have quarterbacks committed now. He's visiting Ohio State at the end of March, so maybe the Buckeyes rise up in there. Alabama's talked about taking two. He visited Alabama at the end of January. So those are that's the rundown on the top 10 quarterbacks in the country right now. Our Notre Dame guy, Colin, got very excited with that C.J. Carr talk uh, to the Fighting Irish. My in-laws are Cornhuskers. And I can't think of a more advantageous situation than Matt Rule stepping into a legacy that is a game-changing quarterback for your program, possibly. Would it be an upset if he doesn't end up in Nebraska? And what could Rayola do for that program overall with peer recruiting, uh, with what he could do at the quarterback position for what, what Matt Rule wants to do? How big could this be for his attempt to reboot that Nebraska program? Well, I think before you even get into that, the foundation that they just recruited uh, on the trail, top 25 recruiting class, number one class in the Big Ten West in a short time work, full of speed, a lot of playmakers in that running back and receiver room. Um, and, and then what they were able to do in the portal, I think that already gives them a nice launching point for a team that really was not as bad as their record. I mean, they just couldn't win close games. They, you know, they, they just weren't doing any of the little things under the previous regime. Under Matt Rule, you know they're going to be well-coached. They're going to recruit well. They're going to develop players well. So now you go and get a blue-chip quarterback, a guy that has the talent to ultimately be the number one pick in the NFL draft, that gives you, what, another one or two wins a year, right? That So uh, uh, in addition to what you're recruiting, and then certainly makes it more sexy on the trail for maybe two or three other recruits uh, in the cycle that that maybe don't go to Nebraska if Dylan Rayola comes, and they're in the thick of that one. Uh, like I said, the four schools that I mentioned, Georgia, uh, USC, Nebraska, and Oregon, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up at any of the four. Now, Georgia's the crystal ball pick right now, but he's going to make some rounds in the spring. And again, Nebraska has a lot going for them in that recruitment, and uh, he really likes uh, Coach Satterfield and Coach Rule. 
Steve, final 60 seconds. What are these quarterbacks asking for in NIL money on the recruiting trail? Yeah, um, I mean, I think it just kind of depends on uh, who they are and and uh, what the schools are actually willing to to do. You know, it, some school schools are using NIL different, right? There's some schools front loading, looking to get back to glory uh, that they haven't seen in a long time. And then there's a lot of programs that are like, look, this is what our players are making. This is what you're capable uh, of making with our platform in addition to our coaching and, and, and track records. So um, I, it's just circumstances of who you are, where you come from, and, and what maybe you're asking for uh, depends on, on the kid. No Rashada money, though, that you're hearing. Well, did that did that money even come through though? No. I mean, like, well, they offered it apparently. T- it turned out to be fake, sure. but they had to erase a contract to get to get out of it. But yeah, but it was. There. I mean, he did take the offer. Sure. No. No. I, and and I get it. And uh, look, that's that's the landscape that we're in right now. But they weren't able to deliver on that big number though either. So it's uh, it was more an empty promise. Steve Wilfong always brings it twenty four seven sports, the director of recruiting. Thank you, Steve. Always great to have you on, man. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. Have a great weekend. Yeah, and again, 24-7 sports, uh, the latest on recruiting there. You can check them out. And uh, Steve's great work. One quick prediction. Nebraska will pay that money to Dylan Rayola. Pay the man his money. If it comes down to I want $2.5 million a year for three years because I'll be gone after three years. You give him three million. I believe Nebraska (laughs) money uh, it may be Warren you, Buffett down in Omaha. You treat that him comes like Scott Frost buyout. But someone will come up with that money in the Nebraska fan base. Weeks. I'm telling you, that is a star fan base that would say, all right, you know what? Maybe you know we're against this overall, but for this kid, if he can change this program, we'll pay it. Celtics have made a decision on their head coach permanently, and former Celtic Paul Pierce, he's, about, he's been fined by the SEC, and it's not the Southeastern Conference. We'll see what he's about to pay up. That's next on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chad, maybe it's just me and it's my problem, but I remember a day in time when everyone knew who this head coach of the Boston Celtics was. Hmm. Yeah, that was one of the preeminent coaching positions, right? Yankees manager, yeah. Boston Celtics, Green Bay Packers head coach, Dallas Brad Cowboys Stevens head went, coach. I mean, it was prominent then. Notre Dame head coach. I'm trying to think of the big positions in sports. Good for Joe Missoula. A name you probably didn't know. <laughs> He's now the full-time head coach of the Boston Celtics. He took over for M.A. Udoka. And as the interim, he had the interim tag removed. Big contract says He's 34 years old. And he's led the Boston Celtics to a record of 42-17 and 17 currently. Fantastic job. He deserves this. And I can't wait to follow what he does. Again, 34 years old. He's the head coach of the Boston Celtics. It's not bad. It's also, man, I look at the Celtics deal now with Brad Stevens moving up into the front office yep. and ha- handing it over to Adoka. 
who did really well, and now Missoula's doing really well. Uh, I'm not going to say the thing is on autopilot, but they've just got a hell of an organization right now going. And that started with Danny Ainge. I mean, Danny Ainge hiring Stevens, Danny Ainge sort of leaving or being a consultant or whatever he's doing, then Stevens moving up to front office. It's a well-oiled machine of a family right now with the Celtics that, and I'm not saying you could put anyone in there, but Missoula was clearly a part of that culture and knew what to do, and he was handed the baton and kept running with it and has done really well. I also keep going back to, it's crazy to me that they fired Adoka the way they did. Yeah, It just didn't seem like something that was that much of a fireable offense at the time, considering everything was consensual. But, um, yeah, I I don't – look, good for the Celtics that seemingly it doesn't matter who's in that chair. They continue to roll right along. They're in a really good spot. And I thought the whole Brad Stevens thing was was weird to me. When he went – when he stopped coaching, I'm thinking, is he going to get out and go back to college? And, no, he wants – to me, he wants to be Danny Ainge. Yeah. And that's – look, that's a great job. If you don't want the stress of coaching anymore and you can be, you know, the guy who's pulling the, the making the moves over the coach also, that's a, there are worse gigs. Um, so former Celtic and champion Paul Pierce, he's been fined by the SEC and uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission because if you've noticed on social, the hashtag ad, if a player or anyone is yeah. promoting something, he did not do that. He did not disclose that he was promoting a crypto on his social media as an ad instead of just a personal endorsement. And he has agreed to pay a $1.1 million fine plus another $240,000 of ill-gotten gains plus interest. This all according to the New York Post. This is, if, if you're familiar with the, the name Coffeezilla on YouTube, if you're not, watch his stuff. Uh, Coffeezilla is a... He investigates, he reports on crypto and online fraud and scams. I was not familiar with this person. He dives into it deep. Like, he figures things out based on usernames and how it's connected to certain people and scams on social media to get you to sign up to buy it while they're about to sell it as it it peaks. Uh, Logan and Jake Paul are prominent on his channel for investigations. You can find many more, too. This is another interesting development because a lot of this are celebrities who put out like can't wait to get involved in this new crypto and they just put the link out there without the ad and this is the sec crack cracking down on at least paul pierce in this and he pretty quickly said yeah i'll pay it there's no fighting this that yeah. tells you something no doubt others probably not getting their money back either uh justin fields he wants a dome we'll discuss